Welcome to Humans Are Us, Human Lives, Human Stories, a podcast about ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are the stories of people that said yes to themselves. Their experiences have helped to make them who they are in this moment. By sharing their personal stories, we hope to inspire others to live their truth. This is a podcast about growth and being one's true, authentic self. Please be advised, this podcast contains adult content and language. Welcome to Humans Are Us, Episode 3. Today's guest is Jen, a close friend of mine. She's 23 years old and a third-year ASL English interpreting student at George Brown College, located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Originally from North Vancouver, she moved to Toronto in September 2018 to attend the Honours Bachelor of Interpreting American Sign Language English program at George Brown College. Today we are going to talk about ASL, English Interpreting, and their community. Hello, Jen. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi. Thank you for having me here today. How did you start your journey of becoming an ASL English interpreting student? So I got into this community and um, learning this language and things because back when I was 19, it's about four years ago now, I needed to go back to school and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I had remembered that a few years ago I had been just... Um, you know, fiddling around on the computer late at night, avoiding like other homework or something, and stumbled across the American Sign Language alphabet. And I taught myself that alphabet that night and was like, oh, like, that was pretty cool. And then I kind of Googled a few more signs and was like, oh, look, I can make a sentence. Fast forward a few years and I'm like, oh, what should I go back to school for? Hmm, kind of enjoy teaching myself a few signs, um, maybe I'd like to learn more. So I looked into it a little bit more and I found part-time night classes um, teaching ASL at VCC, uh, Vancouver Community College. And so I took level one night classes and I loved it. I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to learn more. I wanted to take level two, but at that time level two wasn't offered. So if you wanted more, you had to do the full-time program. I decided to just jump in and do the full-time program at BCC, the American Sign Language and Deaf Studies program, but I still didn't want to be an interpreter. I just wanted to learn more ASL and more about the deaf community. And after that year and seeing interpreters work and interacting more with the deaf community, I decided that I really did want to be an interpreter and go further with this and really pursue it. So after that, Um, I was eligible to enter an interpreter training program, and there is one in BC uh, called Douglas College, and then there's a few more, like, scattered across Canada. I don't exactly remember where they all are. I think there's five or something. But then I heard about George Brown, and George Brown is the only BA, uh, bachelor's, um, program in all of Canada. The rest of the programs are all just two-year diploma programs, but I wanted the four years and I chose the four years because I just wanted like more time to learn and like 
become like the best I could be at it. That's quite the journey. And kudos to you for figuring out what you want to do and kind of finding your path. Some of us are still searching for that path later in life. So that's amazing that you found that at 19. We've known each other for a little over two years now. We met at work, working at Starbucks, and it's always an interesting journey there. I always meet such interesting, unique folks uh, at the times I've worked at Starbucks. Especially with you, over the years we've known each other, you've really taught me about ASL, especially during quarantine. We had little lessons, and now I know the most random signs. So also walk around just (laughs) muttering to myself in a sign language or just doing one sign and You'd ask me, um, what are you what are you doing? What are you talking about? Are you just like talking to yourself or are you trying to talk to me or what is this? Or I'd be doing something where I wasn't able to talk like I was chewing or drinking something and my default was to just start signing at you and you're like, I'm sorry, what? And then I'd have to like explain more and then you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, but we come far. Now I, now I, you can speak to, well, I guess use sign language to speak to me and, um, I can get it a little faster. Um, I'm learning too, which is amazing. And one of the things you've definitely, uh, taught me about, which I had no clue, really not mainstream culture here. Um, and for a lot of people I know, it's not mainstream culture, but talking about ASL and deaf culture, which I know as a hearing person, you just get to dip your toe in. How have you learned about deaf culture as a hearing person? And can you explain that to everybody else out there who hearing about deaf culture for the first time? Um, yeah, so because I'm not deaf, I'm hearing. I can't speak to all of deaf culture. It's not my culture. It's not what I grew up with but I'm lucky enough the deaf community has welcomed me to be a part of their community and like um join it with um the path I'm taking but I can talk to it about like a hearing person learning their language later in life and being immersed in their culture later in life the best way the only way really to learn ASL is from a deaf person Mm -hmm. um because it's their language, it's um, their culture. And so I did learn ASL and I'm still learning ASL from amazing deaf individuals. With both the programs I've been in, um, the majority of the faculty are deaf. Um, So we get to learn the language and the culture and the community aspect all from them. As like a hearing person that didn't know anything about deaf culture, deaf community, ASL until later. Um, it's, it was, it's interesting. Like, um, obviously there was the language barrier for me because I didn't know the language. Um, so like kind of trying and stumbling at first and then, you know, eventually getting it. And then their culture, they have like such, such like a, a rich culture Mm -hmm. in their, such an amazing culture. It, I don't even know how to put it into words. That's okay. Um, I, I obviously you're very passionate about this, which speaks to I think you're going to be a great ASL English interpreter. You're going to continue learning about the deaf community. Obviously, as a hearing person, you're never going to be 100 percent part of it. Um, but you know, an ally for sure. And a friend of ours recently, he was asking you very interesting, beautiful questions about. ASL and you know he was learning and that was just in a 
social situation. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you is because so many people I know maybe know a few letters of the alphabet. Like before we met, I knew how to say thank you. It's always great to learn from others. As you said, you learn from your deaf faculty every day, um, which I think is a beautiful thing. And they're helping you grow in this role. So speaking of uh, this role as an ASL English interpreter for our listeners, what kind of stuff is that going to have you doing like in the professional setting? Interpreters can really work anywhere. Anywhere there's communication, an interpreter can be there, should be there to um, provide access for everybody. So, for example, you could work like in a little kid's swimming lesson or skiing lesson, skating lesson. Again, you could um, be interpreting like hockey games or you could be interpreting national anthems or really anything, um, bank appointments, um, apartment tours, like really anything. What I'm interested in is like community. So doing kind of little bits of everything here and there being in one city in the morning and one city in the evening that intrigues me as well as I do want to after I graduate take courses um, and focus on legal interpreting and hopefully become a legal interpreter because that's something that's a topic that interests me and I'd like to expand my knowledge of legal and take the courses and like the ASL courses to be able to interpret in that type of setting. That's amazing. As someone who um, works with a lawyer, I can understand that. The law is fascinating. It still sounds really interesting how there are so many different avenues that this profession can take, and it's never going to be boring. I'm sure you can always grow and learn. What it sounds like most is you're going to be involved in this community, helping with communication, which is a huge well, thing. Pro- providing. Or providing education, pro- providing, I should say. Thank you for um, correcting me. Communication, because interpreters, like, there, there's a difference between, like, al- ally and advocate. Just, like, backing up a little bit yeah. um, to earlier you mentioned ally. It's not really as much spokesperson as ally because there's a difference between speaking for and speaking with. So if there's an interpreter, which there should always be access to interpreters, then you're speaking with instead of speaking for. So it's providing the access to communication that um, hearing people can take for granted every day. To backtrack even further then, Mm -hmm. maybe we should describe what the role of an interpreter is in this kind of setting. So, like, what is the role of an ASL to English interpreter? Um, To provide access, to provide access, really, and then to provide uh, communication. That's good. That's really the definition (laughs) of what what an interpreter is. Change topics slightly, um, because obviously we're all still dealing with COVID and this pandemic. Um, And I know this has affected definitely the way you've been learning and the way a lot of, you know, people have been learning in general, especially learning a new language and a visual language. Can't imagine how difficult that's been. I know how frustrated you've been with having to do this online. 
how has this really affected your journey and your learning? In March, um, everything moved online. All of our courses were online. And I found it difficult because I have never done online learning ever. It was it was new for everyone. So everyone was kind of confused and trying things out and trying different platforms and how to work Zoom. Zoom seems to be the most common one, which I don't think anybody still truly knows how to work Zoom. It's a different way of learning and some courses are better online and some courses are worse online. For example, um, my classes that are in ASL because it is visual, I find you have to have the person speaking pinned so they're big enough on your screen so you can understand them but then somebody asks a question you need to find like unpin the one talking and find the person talking and pin them by the time you pin them their question's done and you missed it and then you miss the beginning of what was next said by the next person talking or the instructor whatever because you have to go back and I just find a lot of things are missed more And for me, I feel like I'm confused all the time now. And then in September, um, the fall semester, we are mainly online, but we're doing something called hybrids. So two of our courses, our two interpreting courses are on campus. So we go for them, which is good because interpreting online is very difficult with like our entire class in a Zoom room. And it's... Well, your classes are quite small, but still, it's it's still quite a lot of people to have on one screen. Yeah. And like you said, seeing what they're saying is near impossible. Looking at, you know, other things, not just even visually, but technology isn't always our friend. No. Um, people has different internet connections, yeah. lagging, freezing. Oh, freezing. Muting mics. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I was muted. I'm, I'm sorry, I think you're muted. Everybody, like, that's, it's a joke that that's the theme of 2020. You're muted. Oh, sorry, I was talking to myself for five minutes. Like, that's the theme. So I am glad that, like, my interpreting courses are on campus this year. But one specific course that's not on campus, and it's strange, and it's a new way of doing things, I guess, is um, one of my courses is a practicum course. We're at a practicum. We started practicums in September. But they're all online. I've not had the opportunity to be able to go in an on-site one yet. So it's, it's interesting because it's also these interpreters that have worked in the field for years and years they have even decades really decades yeah they've like vast amounts of like experience and knowledge and they're like sorry the interpreter was muted or sorry the interpreter you you were muted so the interpreter missed that and it's they're struggling in ways they've never struggled before trying to do things they've never had to do before and like rearranging like your apartment or your house or your office to make it like visually not distracting and you know going out and buying nice headsets or mics or something so you can be heard clearly when you're working into English so watching that kind of unravel or unfold I guess online is just it's interesting I never pictured in a million years if I ever went on a practicum it would be you know, sitting in the living room in front of my laptop um, with a nice shirt on and pajama pants. 
Yeah, well, that's becoming a lot of people's reality um, where even office people had to learn how to work from home and um, have meetings <laughs> virtually and get dressed in the morning, even though you're not going anywhere, which is, I understand a challenge because I've been working from home and off and on for years. And um, it's been interesting to me to see a bunch of people have to transition to working from home. Um, like I thrive in that environment. Um, because I like making my own schedule, you know, I, I can understand and I've seen you um, struggle and especially when your computer died. And but I think in an, in a way that a lot of things are moving online that used to be in person, um, especially some of the, the practicums you've been attending. They have, you know, hundreds of people who attend some seminars mm-hmm. um, that we attend because they're interpreted. Um, and so we can get like experience from watching these big seminars in there. They're like open, open access, public events. But yeah, like there was one I was in the other night and I think 150 people were in it. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever would have been in a place to be in the same room using the word room as zoom, zoom room, or I wouldn't be in a real room with 150 people that I don't, that I, I recognize their names because they're part of the community, but I don't know if I've ever like really interacted with them or I don't really know them, but would I, would I have had the opportunity to s- sit in a room with 150 people that I don't really know before everything went online? Probably not. So there's that. Well, speaking to that, like the event you attended the other day uh, with 150 people, would that have been in person or would that have happened online usually? Or is it a new event? So it doesn't really matter. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Like maybe it would have just been like pre-recorded and yeah. just out released into the world. So I guess in a way, it's interesting how going online has provided access to quite a few people who maybe not have had access before. And, and do you think moving forward that this is maybe not going to become the norm? Cause obviously, you know, we still eventually fingers crossed, we will be allowed to leave our homes and go out and go to places where you will need to interpret, um, actually in person. But do you think moving forward, certain events will be continued to be held online and maybe, interpreting online is going to become like more opportunities are going to kind of stay that way. I've heard from a few um, interpreters, a few people that it's likely that some specific work will remain online on these sorts of platforms because in some situations it almost works better Mm -hmm. because also the interpreter doesn't have to drive to the event and then drive back and they can in ways you can almost do more and provide more access because you can have 10 minutes between meetings just to you know go to the bathroom grab a glass of water something like that versus needing like three hours to drive from place to place but then you know stop and grab a bite to eat and take a rest take a break you can just kind of, you know, relax for 10 minutes on your couch or 15 minutes, half an hour. It's like, depending on the person, but you don't, the, the commute, there's no commute. Well, it almost sounds like it's less 
physically demanding because you're not having to commute from place to place because commuting is physically demanding it's exhausting so it it takes out the commute and some some appointments or some work some seminars workshops work just as well if not better online well once everybody really gets this online stuff figured out then some things online are very very challenging some things i think will stay online because sometimes it might make it a little easier it's interesting to me how this was going to all um, kind of settle once this is all over. Because I don't think we're going to return back to life as it was. But who knows, right? Who knows? But it also, it means for me this semester, yeah, I'm a little, you know, upset that I didn't get to, do, I haven't yet got to do any on-site practicum opportunities. But I've also gotten opportunities that I never would have gotten if I wasn't doing practicums online, because like I said, these seminars, I don't know if they would exist. I don't know if they, I don't know what they would have looked like. Um, and attending some of the ones I've attended have just been amazing to watch and listen to. As well, there's a few interpreters that I've met that I probably never would have met because they're not based in Toronto. Mm-hmm. They're based in, in different cities in Ontario or different provinces, some interpreters that don't typically take students because they're not located in a place that can take students. But because everything's online, they can take students. So it's like an interesting opportunity for them too. No, and it definitely sounds like some positive things have come out of um, what's happening right now. All of us sequestered to our homes. On the positive note, like I said, this year's been a bit of a shit show. I feel like I know at the starting of 2020, or I guess at the end of 2019, I said to myself, 2020 was the year I was going to tend my social garden. How'd that go for you? It went, as you know, poorly. (laughs) You have plans, life chucks other things at you, and and you just got to adjust, right? So with the punches. Yeah, exactly. And, And, you know, I've had a lot of Obviously, we've all had a lot of time to think and mull things over. And and um, m- my therapist said to me, you know, which is a nugget that has helped me quite a bit, because I think it's been hard not to be negative during this time. It feels like this is the year to challenge all years. It's been very taxing emotionally, mentally, physically, all the things for everyone. But when my therapist did ask me this question, the year got a little lighter, I guess. So I'm going to ask it to you. What good has COVID brought to your life? Um, I know it's a bit of a challenging question because um, it has been, like I said, a shit show of a year. Uh, we've had to get a, used to a lot of things. But, you know, as as this time brought you something good? Um, yeah, like you said, it's been... Something to get used to, and it's things you never thought would happen. Like, I never thought it would be common to see a row of masks at the checkout line at the grocery store. Like, I never thought that would be a thing. I honestly never thought I'd really have to wear a mask. Like, I'm not in a profession or a position where I think I'd ever have to use them unless I'm in a hospital setting for something. But in everyday life, I 
I didn't own a mask. I'd never worn a mask. Yeah, until, so many of us. <laughs> until this happened, I had to put one on, and I'm like, what's this thing on my face? And now it's I'm used to it, and if I'm not in my car or in the apartment, I have a mask on. And sometimes, you know, we get in the elevator, and we look at each other, and I'm like, I see too much of your face. Yeah. Where, where's your mask? Or, you know, you said the other day you were standing in the hall, and you're like, hmm, I feel breezy. And you'd forgotten your mask, which it doesn't happen often, but it's something that's just super ingrained in us now, which I, that's something I never would have imagined. I also, never would have been able to guess. Buying ma- buying multiple masks. I don't I don't know about listeners, but uh, I definitely have probably over 10. I definitely oh. have a dozen. Oh, um, more than that. Yeah. So many masks. I know. Um, so many masks. Who thought that was a thing that I'd need to purchase multiple of? I never um, thought I'd have a Winnie the Pooh mask in my life. Like I didn't. It think is that adorable, though. And then, and it's interesting how masks have become, you know, a way fashion a, fa- a fashion <laughs> accessory, a way to um, express ourselves in new ways. You know, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I love me some fashion. You know, the fact that it took me how how many months to get a leopard print mask is shocking. Um, I think I just didn't want to commit. To to, to that, it's just a while to get permanent masks. Yeah. Like not like the reusable masks. Sorry, um, because I think we were just no. This isn't going to keep lasting. We'll just keep using the disposable ones. We don't need permanent masks. And then we're like, well, this isn't stopping anytime soon. I guess we'll go mask shopping. Yeah, we needed to commit. Um, oh, we're committed. Oh yeah. I completely went off the point. Um, has it brought me something good? It's brought me things that I didn't think it would bring me, like, you know, crippling panic attacks. I don't think I ever experienced, like, panic attacks the way I did during this. I don't don't know if it's related or not, but I I guess it brought me time. Yeah. Because I was home and I didn't have to commute to school, save money on my Presto card. Um... I would say it saved me money on eating out, but that's that that would be a lie. That's a bold face lie. Bold face lie. I don't want to admit how many things got ordered online during the first lockdown. Also, it brought us, um, particularly us, an interesting opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess June it was maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe beginning of June, something like that. End of May, I don't know. Some, around there. Sometime. Um, nearing the end of lockdown, or I think maybe lockdown had been lifted. We were in phase two. Whatever. Not important. Well, well, yeah, we were about then, because by the time we left, uh, phase three had happened. Um, but, yeah, we were out of lockdown at this point, for okay. sure. Um, so I got a call from my father, who lives in Vancouver, where, um, where I'm from. And he's like, yeah, so I'm going to buy a new car. I want a new car. Do you want my old car? And I'm like, I'm sorry, free car? Yes. Yes, please. And then he's like, hey, like, how do you want it to to, to get there? Because I live in Toronto on the other side of Canada. And he's like, I could guess I could try and stick it on a train or a truck or something like that. Which is no fun. Which isn't, no, it's not fun. And he was on speakerphone. And you were sitting on the other like side, like just across, and you're like mouthing and like waving at me, being like, "We'll drive it, we'll drive it, we'll drive it." And I'm like, "I mean, we could we could come drive in." And he's like, "Okay." 
So over the next like month or so, couple weeks, we planned driving from Vancouver to Toronto over like a 10 day span, sort of in the middle of a global pandemic. But at that time, the numbers were significantly lower than they are right now. Oh, they were dropping the numbers. And in Vancouver, it was virtually also nothing. Vancouver never got hit as hard. No. They just within the past couple of weeks implemented their the yeah. mask bylaw, yeah. where you have to wear a mask and all inside. Well, when all we were there, buildings. it was an option, which was weird for us because we had just come from Toronto, where it was not it an option. It wasn't an option. <laughs> but at that time, the numbers were low. Yeah. They were dropping. It was safe. But we, we still wore we, masks. We had masks. So it was um, interesting to see the different provinces in yeah. their, in their uh, bylaws. But, yeah, so we flew middle of a global pandemic. Oh, but then I wouldn't really. Big, no, I guess not in the middle. Anyway, we, during, were, we were in a lull, I yeah, would say. We yeah, we were. And got the opportunity to drive this car from Vancouver to Toronto. You know, speaking to time, you know, which is something we never, well, I never would have had time to do had it not been a pandemic. Um, as you know, uh, prior to this trip, I had, I hadn't taken a day off in four years, really. Yeah. This was my first real vacation. Um, though I don't really vacation. I like to say a trip because I don't really sit and relax. Um, I have to say this wasn't, it wasn't stressful, but it also wasn't relaxing because we were on the move every day. We were, we were, we did get to see some very beautiful things though. Um, Alberta was particularly lovely. The Rockies, driving yeah. through the Rockies. Our horseback pretty. ride on Hank the Spank and uh, Chico, yeah. my horse, the laziest horse that ever was, except <laughs> if he fell behind and then he trotted on a run. That that definitely is a gift that, you know, time has given us and COVID has given us time to really think and ponder, you know, about what we want to bring into our lives and how we want to spend this life that we've been given. Um, and definitely driving across the country is one of those things on my, you know, bucket list in my head that I got to accomplish. I know yeah. for you too. Granted, it was during a pandemic, so we didn't get to do too much. We basically drove from city to city. A lot of things were closed as they should have been. Um, but like you like to say to me, one of your favorite things about this trip was when we were in Saskatchewan and uh, we went and had a little breakfast au plein air, you know, our little picnic. And we just sat by this beautiful lake at our Coors breakfast and mm-hmm. had our coffee. And we even had, they were setting a little, I think it was probably like a little farmer's market up behind yeah. us there. And there was this music playing and you know, it was such a beautiful summer day and, and that was my favorite, that was my favorite morning for sure. Yeah. And, and so we didn't, we, we did things like that, you know, we didn't really see a lot of people, <laughs> which is the only reason I felt safe this year has been an interesting exercise for us all in reflection and, and really figuring out what's important and focusing on that. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, we can circle back to school. Or, <laughs> or uh, anything else? I think I'd just like to, if for final comments. Yeah, go ahead, please. Um, just say that I'm very happy for the opportunity that I've been given to be welcomed with such open arms and warmth um, by the deaf community. 
both in Vancouver and in Toronto, um, and be able to learn um, an amazing language and culture and community from such amazing people and faculty. And I'm happy that I have these opportunities. And also I'd encourage anybody that's even slightly interested in knowing more or learning more to connect in a way. I mean, now with everything online, it might actually even be easier to maybe learn some ASL or learn about the deaf culture from um, a deaf person. I know some sites, the the Bob Rumble site and the uh, Gallaudet University site, they have um, ASL resources like videos and things you can watch um, created by uh, deaf individuals that would maybe help people, on that journey. Um, to, yeah, start yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll definitely put those in the show notes because uh, Gallaudet is. I looked at their website in preparation for this. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely put those in the show notes so you can um, hopefully go learn more about this amazing community and uh, maybe teach yourself a new language. You have time, like we said. You have, you yeah, have time. I mean, if we're going into a lockdown, maybe um, find some ASL resources from like those places. I'd say Galadat's a really good resource. And maybe you can learn a new language. There also might be, I'm not sure, I'd have to look into it more, like ASL online classes mm-hmm. um, taught by deaf individuals um, that you'd be able to take. And now might be the perfect time. That's very true. Um, you should do that. I should. I should. I should broaden my knowledge. Um, German isn't going very well, so. Try ASL. <laughs> yeah, well, I do feel like I, I know more ASL than German, so. Yeah, I do modern ASL a lot. Or, or we, just we in see general. things in ASL, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. There we go. We all have something new to do now. It's a challenge. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here today. I really appreciate you. Um, I know you're very busy with school and life. Yeah, the commute was wrapping today. I know. Um, but joking aside, thank you very much for doing this. And thank you for all that you have taught me. I am truly grateful that you have given me um, an intro into something I never would have learned about otherwise. So I, mm-hmm. I thank you very, very much for everything you've done. Yeah, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Humans Are Us. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate and review. Enjoyed this episode? Share it with someone you think would love to connect with our growing community. Do you have a story to be shared? Check out our website and send us an email or connect with us on Instagram at humansareus.com.